Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to part two of our CT detection and evaluation of cardiac masses, what you need to know. And in part one, I left off with this slide teasing you that I was going to talk about papillary fibroelastomas. And indeed, let's start off with that. It's the third most common primary benign cardiac tumor. Though the truth is, it's infrequent. It accounts for about 75% of all cardiac valvular tumors and affect men and women equally with a mean age of about 60 years. They're characterized by a collection of avascular fronds of dense connective tissue lined by endothelium and may arise from any endocardial surface, though the majority are found on the aortic and mitral valves. Most papillary fibroelastomas are solitary and small with an average diameter of 10 millimeters. Now, in my experience, the majority of these cases are on the aortic valve, and in fact, I think everyone I've seen is the aortic valve, and it's an incidental finding. Now, the thing about these papillary fibroelastomas, they can cause embolic events, so they're all gonna be resected, but it's usually an incidental finding. And I found them on numerous cardiac CTs when we were doing routine screening of at-risk populations, but again, it's fairly infrequent. In this article by Ja, cardiac papillary fibroelastomas are classified as primary benign endocardial tumors arising from the normal components of the endocardium like fibrous tissue, elastic fibers, or small muscle cells. They have a short pedicle and papillary fronds. So again, it's across all of the valves, but maybe because of the way we look at the aortic valve and the way we gate studies and we look carefully there and we see that valve best, it's the reason that we find them on that valve. And here's just a nice example. Now, one of the things with papillary fibroelastoma is when I see them and if we've done a gated cardiac CT, I'll do 4D motion. So you can see in this case, Look how nicely on the axial view as the aorta moves, as the heart moves, and the aortic valve moves, you can see this one centimeter or so low-density lesion move very nicely. It's particularly really nicely shown when we move to coronal views because then you can actually see the stalk. You see how you look at the aortic valve leaflets, and then there's a stalk coming up, and there's the polypoid lesion. In many ways, it kind of looks like a polyp in the colon, smooth, well-defined, and with a stalk. Now, you could say, what's the differential diagnosis here? Well, it might be just a thrombus on the aortic valve, but then you wouldn't have a stalk. And thrombuses typically project more into the left ventricle. Papillary fibroelastomas almost always project forward into the lumen of the ascending aorta. Just a really nice example. And here's two images. Again, I like this negative display. And so when I show you it, you really get a really good look at the valve leaflet. You really get a really good look at the papillary lesion. And you get a wonderful look at the stalk. So just a really nice way of showing that lesion and really allowing you to make very specific diagnosis. Again, in terms of differential diagnosis, the only thing that comes to mind would be a thrombus. So again, a very, very nice example of that lesion. Another case, a patient with pipillary fibroelastoma and chest pain. Again, the lesions are typically oval, but they can be round. I don't think I've seen calcification in the lesions, 
But again, it's that papillary appearance. It's that looking for a stalk that makes it really a nice way of recognizing these lesions and recognizing properly where they are found. Here's another example. Again, really nice, smooth lesion. And I'm showing you a couple of these because it does make the point that it's really easy to recognize. Now, again, the importance of having a gated study so there's no motion, all of those things become very critical when you're looking at these type of lesions. Again, here's a few more views of that. Again, think about differential diagnosis. Remember, we spoke about myxomas, those who are in the patient's left atrium and right atrium. And then we speak about these kind of tumors, which are in the patient's aorta proper, but coming off the patient's aortic valve. Just really nicely shown. And you can see, when you look at these cases, they look very similar, so you should be able to make the differential diagnosis. Again, the black blood technique works well. And when I say differential diagnosis, you should be very specific, not say there's something off the uh, patient's aortic valve. I don't know what it is, but you should be very specific as to its etiology. And again, those negative views, that black blood technique works very nicely. And here's just a few more images of that. Now, in terms of the clinical presentation, I mentioned before, most of the cases we've seen, or all the cases I've seen almost, are asymptomatic. Other patients can present with the complications, thromboembolic complications, including uh, distal emboli, infarction, and stroke. Again, most of the time, it's going to be an incidental finding, but it can be the cause. It can be the nidus for further complications. Now, I mentioned before, what about thrombi? And here you're looking at this case, and you say, what's going on here? You see the aortic valve, but there's something else here. There's some sort of mass, and what exactly am I dealing with? Here it is again, nicely shown, but you see, instead of projecting into the lumen of the aorta, it's projecting posteriorly off the valve into the patient's left ventricle. And that's more of a common appearance for a patient with a thrombus. Here you can see it very nicely. Now, if you look at the shape and you flipped it above the valve, you'd say papillary fibroelastoma, and you would be correct. The thing about thrombi, they're often broad-based on the valve itself, but they can be like this polypoid in nature. And this was fibrinous vegetations in a patient with endocarditis. So, Again, the differential diagnosis is something we go through in our mind, but then looking at the appearance, we should do a very good job. Now let's move on to, from there to other cardiac tumors. Now angiosarcoma, whenever you say that term, you think about angiosarcoma of the spleen or angiosarcoma of the patient's liver. Angiosarcomas are rare tumors wherever they occur, but they can occur in the heart. It's a highly aggressive tumor consisting of irregularly shaped vascular channels lined by anaplastic epithelial cells with sizable areas of necrosis and hemorrhage. They're more common in men in the fourth decade of life. The thing about cardiac angiosarcomas is location. 75% or more begin by the patient's right atrium. So if I see a tumor beginning by the right atrium, I could think of many things, lymphoma, metastasis, but I gotta be thinking about cardiac angiosarcoma. Now, 
when the tumor's been around for a while, the tumor will grow, can invade into the atrial appendage, can extend to the pericardium, right ventricle, right coronary artery. It's very aggressive and could extend totally 360 around the heart, invading and growing through the pericardium. But initially, it's going to be on the patient's right atrium. Mets are very common, most commonly to lung, but also to bone, colon, and brain. And patients typically present with symptoms of right heart failure, shortness of breath due to hemopericardium, and palpitations secondary to supraventricular arrhythmias. In this article by Lichtenberger, again, cardiac angiosarcomas are the most common primary cardiac malignancy in adults with specific differentiation, accounting for 40% of cardiac sarcomas. Again, a little bit of a younger group than we think about tumors, though tumors of the heart in lymphoma patients is maybe perhaps the same age. And again, this right atrium is really the critical finding. And here's a nice mass. You can see this mass, this is just the axial images, but there's a soft tissue mass here involving the right atrium. You could think about what else it could be, maybe lymphoma. Could this be large nodes in the pericardiac space pushing up? But when you get the coronal view, it's much clearer. This is not in the pericardiac space. This is pushing and involving the patient's right atrium. And this is a very good appearance, a classic appearance, should I say, for an angiosarcoma. Here's another example. In this case, it began in the right atrium, but it's hard to tell here, but it's extended into the right atrium toward the left atrium. It's involving the pericardium. It's involving the left side of the heart. So you can see how extensive these tumors can in fact become. You can see how bulky the involvement of the left side and even right side of the pericardium is. So these tumors can become very, very large. Here it is in 3D, the infiltration of both the left and right side of the heart, that the tumor began in the right side, and this was an angiosarcoma. Here it is very nicely showing you a sequence of cinematic renderings where you can see both the tumor as well as the infiltration of the cardiac chambers in very, very nice way. Another example, here's a large mass involving the right side of the heart, very smooth, pushing in, very aggressive, this was an angiosarcoma. Really impressive how the right side of the heart is directly invaded and compressed. And here it is in coronal views where there's also involvement of the SVC, which is narrowed. Again, you could think about what else could this be? I guess my differential would somehow include lymphoma. It's always a good thought. And probably metastasis just because I could think of nothing else. And again, on the cinematic rendered views, very, very nicely shown this patient's mass. I mentioned before that angiosarcomas can be infiltrating of the pericardium in the heart. Look how this one extends 360, basically. Look at the lobulations against the chambers. There's direct extension into all the chambers, all of these lobulations. Again, you could be thinking about a pericardial process. It's not simply pericardial fusion because it's too dense and has mass effect. When I see a lot of pericardial involvement, I'm surely thinking about lymphoma. There aren't that many primary sarcomas of the pericardium, but angiosarcoma, again, extension in and involvement is probably the best bet in this case. And here's just a few more images, very nicely shown with MIP imaging. And again, giving you that look on the coronal display, 
There's adenopathy present as well, but how extensive this patient's tumor is. Okay, really nicely shown. Now, in terms of primary cardiac sarcomas, they are indeed rare, but there are a range of different sarcomas that occur in the heart. They can arise anywhere. We've seen several arising from the mitral valve primarily, from the aortic valve, as well as from the various chambers. Uh, the histories vary, but with cardiac processes, things like dyspnea, chest pain, cardiac failure are all things that we need to think about. Here's a good example of a tumor which could be metastasis to the heart. Uh, this was a primary tumor of the left atrial appendage. It was a spindle cell sarcoma. So I don't think you have a problem here recognizing the mass and its extent. The right diagnosis would be somewhat difficult. Again, you could think of a range of sarcomas, including osteosarcoma. And look how extensive and infiltrating this tumor is. Again, to be frank, I would also be considering lymphoma in this case, perhaps metastasis, perhaps an aggressive thymoma, which extended downward, would all be possibilities. But just a really nice example of how extensive these tumors can be. Here's a case I mentioned about sarcomas arising from valves. Here's one arising from the patient's mitral valve. It's lobulated, right? You see it really nicely here. And this ended up being a chondroblastic osteosarcoma extending into the left atrium off the valve. You could have thought about a myxoma here, because that's the more common atrial mass, and these are lobulated. It's not a great location for myxoma, but it would be in the differential, but this was a chondroblastic osteosarcoma. Here's just a few more views of that. Just a really good look at this patient's tumor. Here it is on coronal views. So again, sarcomas of the heart are going to be unusual, but they do occur. And when you see cardiac masses, you need to be thinking about them. Again, location, right? Atrium is an angiosarcoma. Things that involve from the valves could be angiosarcs, but other things like osteogenic type tumors are considerations as well. Another tumor that's probably a grave mimicker and a challenge would be primary cardiac lymphoma. Lymphoma in general is always a mimic. We see it involving every organ system. Primary cardiac lymphomas are mainly aggressive B-cell lymphomas, seen more commonly in immunocompromised patients. These tumors have a predilection for the right side of the heart and can present with nonspecific symptoms. But again, right side of the heart, which is why I mentioned before, can look like angiosarcoma. Um, again, we see these more commonly in AIDS patients. Patients are in their 60s typically. The most common, they most commonly, as we mentioned, involve the right side of the heart, but extensive infiltration to other chambers and spread is indeed common. One of the things, of course, we think about with lymphoma of the heart, is it primary lymphoma or is it simply lymphoma with multi-organ involvement? So again, you need to look and make sure there's not other disease present. In terms of lymphoma extension along the pericardial surface with encasement of the coronaries and aortic root and great vessels is classic. Pericardial thickening and effusion is again one of the things that we can see. Here's a good example of lymphoma, really extensive disease in the anterior metastinum, middle metastinum, posterior metastinum, and then extension downward to involve the pericardium. That's a common appearance. 
Again, one of the things where this was very important in the past was distinguishing between patients who would get radiation therapy if there was no pericardial involvement and patients who couldn't get radiation therapy but would also need chemotherapy if there was pericardial involvement. But again, very nicely shown in this example. You can see how extensive the tumor is on the sagittal views, compressing the SVC, compressing the heart, and extensive involvement to the chest wall and the heart proper. In this case with CLL, look at the cardiac involvement, particularly in the middle part surrounding the trachea, esophagus, in the patient's AP window, involving various chambers, down to and involving the pulmonary artery. When you see tumors that infiltrate the heart, again, you think about sarcomas. I showed you some examples before, but lymphoma is always going to be in your list. And you can see here it is on the volume rendered views, really nicely showing you the true extent of the patient's tumor, which is again nicely showed on the patient's uh, cinematic renderings where the infiltration is clearly defined. And here it is again from a view from above. Now, when you have malignant effusions, usually you have a pretty good margin around the heart. In this case, you see the large effusions, but then you see lobular masses, including in the interventricular septum, multiple large masses present. And this was a patient with malignant effusion. Yes, there was an effusion, but there was leukemic infiltration of the heart. And so when you have malignancy, sometimes you see the lobulations in the fluid or the pericardium or in adjacent chambers. And that's why you know you're not dealing only with a pericardial effusion, but you're dealing in a patient with tumor as well. And again, nicely shown as we go from the axial to the coronal views, those lobulations and infiltration. Now, several other factors to mention with cardiac lymphoma. Usually it's related to extensive or it's part of systemic involvement and it's not just primary cardiac lymphoma. That's rare. But again, immunosuppressed patients, right side of the heart, do occur. And again, that differential against angiosarcoma. Here's a nice example of infiltration of the left ventricle. It's thickened and irregular. And as you go into the abdomen, you see this involvement of the patient's left and right adrenal glands, and then infiltration of the patient's kidney. This is a nice example. You see the infiltration of the kidney, particularly well seen as we look at the cinematics. Cinematics also show very nicely the pericardial involvement. The pericardium is really infiltrated. So now we're talking about cardiac involvement, adrenal and renal, and I think there were nodes as well. Here's the infiltration of the kidneys. So again, multi-organ involvement, lymphoma is one of the good possibilities. Here's the adrenal and kidney, just really nicely shown. And just another example, large mass infiltrating into the heart in the interventricular septum. You'd go through differential. This could be an angiosarcoma. It's by the right atrium. Maybe it's just growing upwards. That would be maybe my first choice if this was the only set of images I had. But this patient, uh, again, here is nicely shown. But this patient also had pelvic pain. And as we scan down from this infiltrating cardiac tumor, we saw the patient has large masses in the pelvis, which are in part nodes. This was biopsied and it was lymphoma. So one of the things with lymphoma that involves the heart, most of the time it's multi-organ involvement, but just to remember there are cases of primary 
cardiac lymphoma. Now, I mentioned before that although we love thinking about primary cardiac tumors, at the end of the day, metastasis are anywhere between 40 and 50 times more common. And so let's do this. Let's take a break and let's pick it up on metastatic disease to the heart in a few minutes. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.